All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Brews and Belters podcast. This is season four, episode 18. Tonight, we're going to mix it up a little bit with uh, no Premier League this upcoming weekend due to international break. Um, we're going to get into our midseason awards, um, if you will. We've got a, f- a few different categories that we're kind of breaking down. Some of our uh, some of the players that have stood out to us, managers, etc. We'll get into them as we go along. Um, then we're going to get into a little bit of AFCON and um, Asian Cup uh, previews and just a little bit of information before we kind of dive further into those in podcasts down the road. But uh, joining me as always, Toby. Tobes, how are you tonight? What are you sipping on? Keegs, what's good? Uh, I have, so I had a lot of different people coming over the last week or two. Uh, most inviting thing to do at my house is to probably bring over a pack of beer. Uh, drink two or three of them yourself, leave the other two or three for me. Uh, it's always a win-win for everyone in that situation. And so, yeah, so I have a ton of different beers. I think I counted 10, 10 different beers and five different styles of those beers. Like I'm talking like almost pretty much every style, sour, IPA stout, uh, lager. I got it all. So um, I'm pretty much sipping on whoever brought stuff over. I had a uh, one of my favorite beers, actually, a Delirium Tremens, but that's a Belgian beer I had earlier. Um, so I'm sipping on a Lagunitas Hazy Wonder IPA, a hazy yet bright with dazzling hops, 6% ABV. Uh, this is one of the breweries that is from California, uh, Chico, Cal- California, but uh, also has a location in the Midwest in Chicago. So it's actually right across the street from where they shoot all of the like Chicago movies. So the Chicago fire, Chicago PD. And so like, I guess when you go on the brewery tours, I've been on it before. uh, They say that like every often, every so often you go in when you finish up the brewery tour, there's actually like Chicago fire, like the actors and actresses go there and grab beers. So you'll just see like the, the people there in Chicago, which is kind of cool, you know, whatever. It's like kind of a weird area, but uh, it goes to show just how much Chicago pumps out content and awesome beers. So nice, nice, nice. What do you, what are you sipping on, dude? I like that you started that as like the little white of, uh, of beers, like what you want, what you need. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I, li- I do. I like that. Uh, what you want? Hit me. I've up. got, <laughs> I've got... <laughs> I've got Nodell Brewing Co., um, which I don't know if I've actually featured them yet. Obviously, a pretty popular um, brewery out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, one of their biggest in a city that's known for pumping out a ton of beer. Uh, but this is their Imperial Hazy IPA Mountain Standard. Uh, 9%, I realized as I cracked open my third one here. Bro- broke um, the rules of the podcast. Yeah, I sure <laughs> did. I sure did. Uh, but it's actually, it's really good. I, I don't know if that's just a 9% getting to me, but I've really enjoyed this. Um, I've noticed, so I had a beer when I was working in St. Louis that I thought was a New England style IPA. And I, I, I later realized after drinking a few Imperial IPAs um, that I'm pretty sure it was an Imperial. Because I like that kind of heavier bodied yeah ipa and uh this is exactly it this is this is uh really hitting the spot for me is one of my favorite beers i've probably had in the last year or two of the pod so uh who knows maybe maybe next year this will make our uh end of the year wrap up for possibly my favorite beer of the year 
Um, but yeah, very good. 9%. It'll, it'll get you buzzing pretty quick. Love um, that. Uh, yeah. dude, it's midway halfway, whatever you want to call it, uh, of the premier league season. Um, we recorded what about a week and a half ago. Yep. And since then, both of our teams have played the premier leagues played what three games during the festivist season and a lot, lot to get into dude, a lot. And, uh, I mean, we're 20, 21 matches in, I want to say for the season. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's tons to talk about. It's yeah, it's going to be a good episode. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for you to be sipping on a night percenter for it. So <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> uh, bear with me. I'm already about halfway through this one as well. So we got um, the yeah, pause I mean, button. Yeah, we got the pause pause button on deck, so we'll be all right. Um, but, I mean, a lot of this episode we're going to get into as well. Dubs, you came up with the idea, I think, which is a nice idea of a, kind of a midseason quote-unquote awards. So just kind of a check-in, see where we're at so far, um, some of the players and managers and teams that we've enjoyed, some of our favorite moments so far. Um, and really, we just kind of came up with this today, and or, or late yesterday, I should say, and just kind of got rolling with it. So... We're going to start off with our beers of the year so far. So this is actually not just this season, but um, kind of a 2023 recap on our favorite beers that we had on the pod during 2023. So I'll let you kick it off here. Yeah, we've had a lot of them. Uh, and by the way, congratulations, Keegan. It is uh, January 4th, and both of us have lasted, what, two or three days on dry January? So yeah. <laughs> well done. Appreciate that. Uh so mine, actually, you had to uh, to reference me a little material. But uh, yeah, mine is from Black Viking Brewing. I uh, had it exactly one year ago today, Keegs. That's how, I, like I told you a couple weeks ago, our our life, they just, our life's just uh, intertwined together and perfectly with Black Viking Brewery and every other brewery that we we talk about. So yeah, so I had the uh, Black Viking Brewing uh, Ginger Golden Ale, uh, the Zanga beer. Uh it is a brewery that I wanted to shout out. One of my guys uh, is friends or relatives of one of the brewery, uh, one of the guys who works at the brewery. And uh, so it's pretty much the first black owned brewery in Montgomery County, Maryland. Uh, and so shout out uh, minority ownership, of course, um, but also just shout out like uh, an awesome brewery that is not able to be found here. And my one of my guys brought it back for me last year. Same exact situation. Uh, brought a six pack over to the house to have and left all the others for me and told me to put it on the podcast. And here we are one year later. So love it. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember you enjoyed that one. Cool can too. Black, literally a black Viking on the can. Kind yeah. of a sleek look, back, black background. Yeah, uh, it was it was a cool looking beer, and uh, we followed them on the pod page since on social media and seen them do a lot of like collaborations and stuff. It's been cool. Um, mine a little bit less memorable because it's not exactly one year, and we didn't have one of the homies hook us up with it. But Drafty Window is one that I had kind of in my notes on my laptop, um, just down at the bottom of the notes section, drafty window farmhouse size zone, um, from hypothesis beer company out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, just remember enjoying it a lot. So that gets my shout. Don't remember any really cool, fun facts about it. None of the friends, you know, um, uh, recommended it or anything, but just one that stuck out to me that I had in my notes here. Nice. Next category 
you know, we're just going to jump right into it. The player that stood out to you the most this year, Toby. So far this season, Keegan, it's very simple. Uh, it's the same. So when it comes to the Premier League, that man is Liverpool, and that man is Mo Salah. Uh, best player, in my opinion, thus far. 14 goals, 8 assists. 14 goals is tied for number one with an injured Erling Haaland. And uh, eight assists is tied for number one with uh, one other person I can't remember. I think it's the same Ali, shot. Ali Watkins, actually. Oh, I would not have guessed that, honestly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so 14 and eight. Uh, team total goal scored is 43. So he accounts for 33% of Liverpool overall scoring in the league this year. And his goal and assist per 90 ratio is 1.14. That is a, an output right there is what we like to say. Whenever you're a plus, a one plus in the output ratio of goal assist, you're, you're on a heater. And so he started uh, 19 of the 20 games, scored four PKs. So some of those goals I'm going to put an asterisk next to. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, at least you guys get PKs given. Tottenham's only had one PK given to him all season. So you're here and over there. Uh, but what's most impressive about most a lot to me is not just his age and the fact that he through the ebbs and flows of the season he stays consistent that's not what's just impressive to me but it's the fact that uh he's got that that it factor in him where two years ago you took away from him arguably his two best uh, running mates over the last five years, Bobby Firmino and uh, Sadio Mane. And you switch them with Darwin Nunez and uh, Gakpo. And I, looking back at it, you and I, Keegs, both agreed. Great. We, we, we've established we like Darwin Nunez, even though he's like the golden retriever 50-50 uh, player. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really like Cody Gakpo a lot. I think he's going to be a great player. But both of them, especially this season, have not produced the results that you would expect from a even from a Firmino, Firmino and Mane standpoint. But just from an overall standpoint, you expect more goals from them. And for 33% of overall goals being given to Liverpool by Mo Salah, is, it, it's kind of alarming in my opinion, but it also just shows just how much Mo Salah has really taken on that forward position and goal-scoring attacking threat that Liverpool has to have to survive. Like, they need to have goals. And for them to get it from him at a, you know, at a clip like they are, it's pretty impressive. So, who do you have? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Salah was was my pick. I felt like it was a little bit of a homer pick. But, yeah, I mean, everything you just went through just further solidifies. Like, the dude, Mane, Firmino, him, just a, a phenomenal trio up top for, yeah. you know, several years for us. And um, to have a complete 180 in the partnership, Gakpo, Nunes, um, even, you know, Diaz and, and Jota that, that have slid in there. It, it's he, He's the one staple. And those I mean, other those, two positions flip-flop. Those are great forwards we're talking about. Four they great are. forwards. Yeah. And Mo has pretty much kept them afloat, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. the rest of them combined, I bet, I don't even know looking at it, but I bet if you put uh, 
Nunez, Gakpo, uh, Jota, and then who else do you say? Darwin Nunez, or not, excuse me, uh, 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 Diaz. Diaz, Lucho. yeah. If you, yeah. if you put all four of them together, I bet their goal scoring outputs maybe right around Mosala, maybe a little bit higher than that for the yeah. season, but it's not much, you know. And like you would expect one of those guys to have an eight to 12 goal season, which would require them to have a four to five or six first half of the season, and none of them have that. And so that's where I'm like, man, like, you know, Jurgen Klopp is like thinking you, we can't get rid of this guy. Like not even next year. He's not tradable in my opinion. So. And the big thing for me, you touched on it, the eight assists. Um, Salah has always been one of those forward players that has that striker mentality. You know, you, I watched him and Mane get into it multiple times in you know in in the height of Liverpool's attacking run where we're popping in goals constantly it might be a 4-1 match and and he's he's putting a shot on goal after he already has two goals while Mane's wide open he's never been that pass first type of player and he still isn't a pass first player by any means but I think the the maturation of him becoming a little bit more of a playmaker on top of being a goal scorer this year has been really apparent from the beginning of the season um, but th- throughout now, you know, New Year's, where he's got eight assists, and honestly, we laugh about Darwin Nunez, um, just kind of being that we we've coined him as the the golden retriever. He's just kind of out there with his ta- with his with his uh, with his tongue hanging out, just happy to be there, yeah, working hard, tail, tail wagging, yeah, yeah. You you kind of love to watch him play because he's got the energy, but he he doesn't always have the the finish. Um, and I think if Darwin is a little bit more clinical. Mo could potentially be in double digit I, this year as well, which is I, crazy. I want to say Darwin is in the top. Yeah, Darwin is number six. He is six, so he's in the top five. He's tied. He's tied for fifth uh, with six assists on the season, with Mosala having an eight leading yeah. the season. But uh, I mean, but Darwin's- I'm saying if, if if he scores more goals, yeah, a lot of those come from Mo, and and that's one thing where I. I think that's credit to Mo and the player he is to continue evolving his game to not just being a goal scorer and not just being a guy who has assists because he's got Sadio Mane and Bobby up there who he plays through really well, but also he set up Darwin and Lucho and other, the other players yeah. up there in attack really well this season where I think he's, he's still very much, you know, goal oriented. He's, he's very much nose toward the goal. I want to try and get my bag um but he's also setting up play a lot better than i feel like he has in the past which i think is a a sign of of maturity and growing and and putting the team first um and i think if darwin finishes some of those he he's potentially a 14 goal instead of a 14 goal eight assist guy he's a 14 goal 10 or 11 assist guy which is at the new year crazy crazy numbers yeah no i think you're absolutely right and uh that's a credit to darwin just being the number one (laughs) premier league uh (laughs) missed opportunity person uh, by a long shot i want to say he's like 10 more he has like 50 over the last like two or three years yeah i don't want to look at his i don't want to look at his xg compared to actual goal conversion but we're talking shit about him right now but dude their last game liverpool played against newcastle Liverpool owned that entire game and at a good portion of it, Newcastle was never out of it, even though Liverpool had the lion's share of everything. Um, 
and Darwin missed a few gimmies and he had a peach of an assist to mm-hmm. to Mo, give him the first goal, and then instantly they gave up a goal to Isak, and you're like, that's the counterattack Newcastle's talking about. Newcastle was running on fumes, it looks like, uh, after like 55 minutes, the entire team, not just one guy or two guys. Uh, but that's when they started to score. And then Mo had a dime of a pass to go into Nunez, and like I don't think Darwin was expecting it. I don't know, but he like airmailed it or t- he didn't get full contact and or it was saved by the guy. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I just remember he didn't capitalize on that. And what impressed me was Mo was pissed. Like usually when you see Mo Salah, there's two things when he screws up a goal. He usually puts his head down like his knees, or he's like like kind of like pogo sticking on his feet. Mm-hmm. And he was like more even demonstrative on that by missing the goal of an assist, you know? Yeah. So I, that's just tell, tells you how ingrained he is at the team and like how every opportunity matters, whether he's taking it or someone else's. And that's the sign of leadership. And that's, I think what Jurgen Klopp is wanting out of literally every player up front. And I don't think you get that from every player. Cause I think some of your guys are still pretty selfish up front. So yeah, I think that's I think that's football in general. You know, you you get those attacks. Not at Tottenham. Just, just no. score. <laughs> we love each other. We don't shoot. Yeah. We pass, dude. That's why we've been scoring like one goal the last couple of games. So. <laughs> do you have so do you my, have any? Do you have honorable mention? Yeah, anymore? I do. I do actually. And um, Van Dyke is one of them. And I th- I think that we've talked. God, you were such bit. a homer. Yeah, I, know, I know. I know. I know. Jesus. I have one, I have one more who's not a Liverpool player. Um, but with Van Dyke, I, I just think we've talked about the defense. We've talked about Isak on the counter for Newcastle, a, a very depleted Newcastle roster that you mentioned looked tired, looked burnout, and they still make it a match, even though we we dominated the entire yeah. match. And I think a lot of that too is we've we've switched up our defense a little bit. Trent gets forward a little bit more, especially in tight matches, KG matches like that. And I think Van Dyke, we've we've mentioned throughout the year that composure seems to be back. That leadership seems to be back that, that kind of like, I'm going to dominate the back line and, and make my presence known seems to be back with that being said, we still give up a lot of goals. We still let a lot of teams back into a match that we've dominated. I don't know that that's necessarily on him, I think that's on our back line as a whole, as well as our midfield, maybe switching off or us getting too far forward in the press. But it's also his responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen as the guy who commands the back line, as the guy who's running the show, as the captain. It is his responsibility to not let them switch off, which Mm -hmm. is why I've leaned towards Salah for being the player of the year um, so far. And then the third one that I had was Saliba um, at Arsenal. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal. I think you see flashes of Van Dyke. I think you see a young player who commands his back line similar to the way that Van Dyke commanded their back line when he first came into Liverpool and first kind of established his spot there as I'm the best center back in the league. I think Saliba is on the cusp of being that guy right now. Uh, I I had him up there. Um, I actually think honorable mention wise, I have a few other ones, uh, but one from the same team. I think Declan Rice, yeah, has been absolutely phenomenal for them. Uh, not just being like the home wrecker house cleaner that he is, but also being the uh, 
the reliable, dependable goal scoring option. And that's what he's kind of been. He, I, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he's had two goals, 85 plus minutes. I want to say that I've seen that I can remember two goals that he's done that, that he was like game winning goals on one zero victories or one, two victories. And so I really like Declan Rice. I, I do like your shout out. Um, I'm, I think the center back pairing at, uh, at Arsenal's good. Um, I just think that I hate them too much to really like dive <laughs> too far into it. Uh, but I, I do think you're right with who you said. Um, two other guys that I quickly think about is uh, John McGinn. I yeah. love Aston Villa right now. Uh, and he is a like the engine for them in the middle of the heart of that pitch. And he is playing lights out right now. He's one guy. And then God bless Tottenham Hotspur for winning three to one against Bournemouth. Expect it. But Dominic Solanke has been a man amongst boys most of the games that he's been playing in. And he has been arguably, arguably one of the two best strikers in the Prem this season. I'm saying yeah. two best strikers in the Prem this season. Uh, not forwards, strikers. He's been awesome. Uh, early Halan's probably the only one ahead of him. Uh, he's been better than Alexander Isak. He's been better than a lot of other nines that have been playing that position or 10, as I would say. But For sure. Yeah, I, I would throw – I mean, slanky has got two goals – or two, 12 goals on the year, um, only, behi- only behind Allen and Salah at 14. Um, I love the McGinn shout. And then if I, if I can throw one more out, I think Watkins is up there too when we're talking strikers, just pure number nines. Yeah, um, Ollie's, Ollie from uh, – uh Villa. Best in Villa. Yeah. Ollie Watkins. Nine up. nine goals, eight assists. That's a ridiculous first half of the season. Um in 20 matches to have, you know, 17 goal involvements is crazy. Um and in everything Villa's doing is is amazing. So I think him and McGinn are both really good shouts. Um biggest surprise as far as we we've broken this up into a couple categories. Um teams overall, clubs overall. And then players will start out with the clubs. Toby, who who've been the biggest surprises for you in a positive light? It's who we're talking about, Keeks. Uh Aston Villa. 13 wins, three losses, four draws on the season. Never would have expected that. Did not expect John Min, John McGinn to be as good as he is. Uh Unai Emery's men are flying high. 43 goals, only conceded 27. Uh, mathematically, I know you're not great at it. I'll do it real quick. That's a plus 16. Uh, clean sheets, four of them. Not a ton, but uh, you don't expect a ton when... Uh, I, don't know. I mean, their goal is pretty good. Uh, what's his name from uh, Argentina? But still, like, four clean sheets is decent. So uh, they lost their captain day one, Tyrone Mings. It, in my opinion having that happen and then coming back to be where they're at, that just is even more praise, even more flowers thrown at Unai Emery uh, for him to rally the troops like he has and to show the class that he has. Um, And then I also want to give a shout out to their front office, dude. Like Keegan, like they got rid of arguably the golden boy of the English generation over the last five to 10 years. Um and Jack Graylish, and then they also 
did not only get rid of him, but they sold him to a huge competitor in Manchester City and got a bag for him, which a bag for him five years ago would have been an extra 50 to 60. Now, I think if you would have sold Jack, Jack Graylish at 100, 100 million four or five years ago, whenever they did it, three or four years ago, uh, it would have been it would have been more right now. And yeah. I think Jack Graylish would have been worth like 140. Um, yeah, post-World but- Cup, I think he goes for more. But that money, that money solidified their squad. Uh, Zaniolo, their their midfield's phenomenal. Zaniolo, Tielemans, uh, Kamara, all coming off the bench, uh, all added strengths that they brought on. And those are all guys that were not on the pitch originally. And they, I mean, they're purring right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard not to say Villa. Um, since you did, I will actually throw out your Spurs. Um, I think just. Bring an engine first and mate, foremost is love it, mate. Good job, yeah, mate. I, I, <laughs> I think bringing an engine first and foremost has set the tone. Um, result wise, I mean they're in fifth right now. Twelve wins, three draws, five losses, which is solid in in the Premier League that we're seeing this year with the parity. I mean we've talked about the table one through eleven right now are clubs that I I would not feel comfortable going up against at any point. Um, you never really feel safe with with one through 10 to 11 in in the league. Even I'll go as far down as 13, 14 with Fulham and Palace are in 13, 14th right now. And Fulham just beat Arsenal two weeks ago. I mean, the the parody is is crazy. The, the 2023, 2024 season you're talking about right now, is this going to go down like 15, 20 years from now when you have kids being like, hey, but this season, <laughs> like, I, is, is, it, is it that yeah. is it that uh, uh, epic of a season? You think? I I feel like it personally, but I I don't feel like people give it that. You know, I I feel like people see oh, only two you know Premier League teams made it out of the Champions League draw, and people get so caught up in that, and it's like, man, you you throw some of these uh, you know people hop on the La Liga train. It's like you throw some of these La Liga teams in with the Prem right now. I don't think they're I think they're drowning. Um, and maybe maybe I'm just biased towards the Prem. But I mean, seriously, I look at this, I, I look at one through 10, one through even 14. And it's just like, these aren't matches that you feel comfortable going into the, the club I support Liverpool is top of the league right now. And if we go play Fulham in a week, I'm sweating. And Fulham's in 13th place right now out of 20. And it's, I mean, it, 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 I, it, I feel like there is a level of parity that's been growing over the past few years, but we haven't seen this level I, over the past few years. And I, I, I don't know if that registers with everybody, but I, I'm definitely feeling that this year. Yeah, I think if you drop Wolves into any of the other leagues, I don't know where they're at right now. What are they at? They're, they're at 11 right now, and yeah. they've been electrifying. They've beat I think it, this year. They've, I, they've competed with some of the best. I think if you drop Wolves in any other league, minus the Premier League, I bet they're a top six team. Yeah, I, I would I would wager that. I would wager four or five even. Um, I mean, I think Wolves are, are giving Roma, Lazio, uh, Atalanta, Fiorentina, Bologna, you know, some of the top five, six in Serie A, I think they're giving all of them uh, yeah. for their money. Yep. I don't know many left backs around Europe that are keeping up with Neto right now. No, exactly. Uh, so you you mentioned it earlier, but uh, uh, Ange Pascaglu 
Tottenham Hotspur manager, uh, was asked after this last game, I don't know where they were at. They were fourth or fifth in the standings. And he's like, did you expect to be here? At four, uh, did you expect to be this close to first place at fourth or fifth in the standings? Like, is that where you're happy, comfortable being at? And he was pretty much just like, mate, I think we're only three points from first place. This is before Liverpool played the day after. Yeah. But he was like, I think we're we're right there within striking distance. So that's that's the mindset he has going into all of this. Just like uh, today, he was interviewed. It went super viral by everyone, and he went. Uh, he was interviewed, and it pretty much went along the lines of the interviewer. Uh, the person asking questions said something along the lines of, uh, uh, "Can you picture yourself winning any trophies at top, or can you picture yourself winning any trophies?" And he's like, "Mate, I've already won trophies everywhere I've been." I've won trophies and like, that's the mindset we've never had. Uh, Granted we've had Conte and Mourinho and other guys say that, you know, but they've never like, I don't know. It's just a different vibe with him. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. What do you say? Gravy? Like it's different gravy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And that's the biggest thing for me. You know, they sit in fifth right now, 12 wins, three draws, five losses. They are three points off of being in second place, um, with Aston Villa having 42 points in second. But like none of that even is really what I mean when I say they're the biggest surprise. It is the attitude and the mindset of of Ange. It is the, you know, like you said, Conte, Mourinho, um, even Pochettino. Like those managers have come in. They have a swagger about them. They're expected to win. But also it's like it's always felt like the same old Spurs under them. And then they look for excuses or they throw out excuses or they just get frustrated. There is no frustration with him. I, I've never seen a manager so fucking cool in my life. Um, he, he, he just shrugs off the little things and it's all business. And it, he has so much faith in himself and so much faith in the direction that he's leading Tottenham in. It feels like a completely different club. And as a neutral, as a Liverpool supporter, yeah, it's been fun to poke fun and talk shit and 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 stuff, especially with the pod, with us and our our dynamic. But it's so much more fun to see a competitive Tottenham and a manager who believes in the club and a manager who wants to put out a good, fun to watch product rather than like this sorry, same old Tottenham. like we're actually seeing results we're actually seeing change which i think is fun and and part of why the prem is so competitive this year because you're seeing that from unai emery you're seeing that at west ham right now at 34 points in sixth place where no one can go to west ham right now and feel comfortable coming out of there with three points you know it's it's a it's a grind everywhere you go um, and I think Tottenham are one of the best examples of that, even through injury troubles. You know, you look at Newcastle, who's been injury depleted. They're in ninth place. And I think I think old Tottenham, pre-Ange Tottenham, with the injury troubles they've had, are sitting in ninth or tenth by Newcastle and Chelsea and Wolves right now. Bro, bro, bro. We would have been below tenth, and we would have probably been get hit by a, a, a two- you know, a double tap, like Everton was hit by the one tap, we would have been hit by a double tap of a minus 20 point deduction. (laughs) Like that's where I thought this microcosm was going to go. It was just going to explode out of proportion. Uh, Yeah. Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Uh, 
don't expect too much from them this season, but uh, here we are. I like where they're at, though. I like where they're at. It's it's the right direction, it, regardless of what happened. I mean, you guys could finish eighth this year, and in, in my opinion, from a, a mentality standpoint and a club direction standpoint, it's a giant leap forward. Okay. I hey, your stamp of approval, Keegan. Uh, biggest surprise player. You got one on the list. I do. Um. Don't take mine, please. God, I've I've got a couple actually. Um, but with them all, <laughs> should, should I go honorable mention first, or should I just hit you with? I'm just gonna hit you with it. And I'm not even positive. Can you hear? Can you hear this? It's like uh, drums. Yeah, a little drum roll. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty conflicted here, but I'm gonna go Mohamed Kudus. Um, six goals, one assist, and 16 matches for West Ham, who sit in six currently. We've talked about them, I and and how good that they've been how well they've invested i know you mentioned with villa reinvesting the jack Grealish money i think west ham's done a really nice job in reinvesting the declan rice money and they still have more to spend but i think muhammad kudus has just come on and been phenomenal for them he's a constant threat and attack which they've never really had it's been jared bowen will hopefully hit you on the counter and if he doesn't maybe thomas suchek will give us a header in the 91st minute and some matches have still come down to that for them but Mohamed Kudus has been a constant threat on the wing for them and he's delivered and him syncing up with Paqueta I think in the middle has been a godsend for them they haven't had a creative midfielder in a long time it's always been that strong defensive-minded midfield setup with Rice and Suchek and now they've, you know, they've still got Suchek. They've got James Ward-Prowse who can create, but he lies a little bit deeper. He's a little bit slower moving. Kudus just adds an element of surprise and, you know, uh, attacking prowess that can be coupled with Bowen. And I think that they needed something else going forward other than just Jared Bowen. And I think that he's made them a completely different team. Um, so he's the one that has stood out for me among a couple other honorable mentions. Ke- Keegan Villa's number two. Do you expect him to stay number two at the end of the season? Or do you um, expect no, to drop I, out of the I, I don't because Manchester City's getting Kevin De Bruyne back, and I, I think everyone is uh, – I've got a, a poopy diaper over it. I'm nervous and scared and shitting myself. And What I about James Madison? Is. You scared about that? I am, but um, – Quite, once. Not, not okay. quite as scary. All right, sure. Don't get me, me started on Luis Diaz. Dude, it's cool. Just keep, keep, keep shadowing everything you're saying with loser speak right now, and I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, what other honorable, honorable mentions you have? Um, I think Jeremy Doku's been incredible. I think that's kind of a sexier pick with City. Um, but the way he's just slid right – I've mentioned it a ton of times. I mean, the way he's just <laughs> popped right into Pep starting eleven. And just look not not just comfortable but dominant and yeah. world class I, is is extremely re- remarkable. So I will say this though, Keegan, because I have him up there as well, but he's actually one of the highest rated players, if not the highest rated player in almost every aspect he's in. But he's only played in like nine or ten games this season. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's like, the pep effect. That's what I'm saying. Like, so you got to be on the pitch regularly yeah. for for me to give you that that's um, why he's honorable mention toby he's not my number one okay okay yeah i get that who you got uh honorable okay i'm just gonna do my biggest surprise 
uh, we already talked about him. Dominic Solanke, 12 goals this season for Bournemouth. Uh, 12th on the table. That's a phenomenal, in my opinion, for Bournemouth. Um, 26-year-old, played at Chelsea, played at Liverpool, playing at Bournemouth currently. 115 appearances, 22 goals, 11 assists, 12 this season. That's how good of a season he's having. Like, he was an 11-11 player throughout his uh, last X amount of years, and he has 12 goals. He's pretty much doubled his goal uh, capacity over the last year. Uh, He's been phenomenal for Bournemouth. Bournemouth, in my opinion, has one of the managers of the year as well. Um, I think they're a great team. My honorable mention is for uh, Hong Hae-chan, the Korean from Wolves, 10 goals without Jimenez. This dude's been cooking. Yeah. To the point where I I I don't see him leaving, but I could see him leaving in January and going for a striker position because he's proven that he could play up top without anyone on the sides of him and be fine. He can control the ball. He has a nice touch. He dribbles. He's fast. Like, he's got it all. So, uh, Huang Hee Chan, and he's going to be in uh, our Asia Cup uh, talk that we're going to briefly discuss later this episode. So. Who could you see picking him up? My Tottenham, my Tottenham Hotspurs. Really? Oh yeah, I definitely do. Is that? Yeah, like it has nothing to do with or what? No, I, I have nothing to do with the Son connection or the fact that I think Tottenham just pumps hundreds of millions of dollars out of Korea when it comes to like merchandising and stuff. Like that is our gold mine down there. Is just that part of Asia, Korea, China. Japan, somewhat of the Philippines, I think. Um, so, like, there's that's our marketable area. And so I think having a player like that would be great. Uh, also getting someone like a Jota, who's currently in Saudi Arabia, possibly coming up, uh, who's a Japanese international, formerly of Celtic, um, would be good as well. But, no, I just think... I think he's just a really good player, and we need someone behind Richarlison right now. I think he'd be a perfect fit. Yeah, and I think he he already has the dynamic with Son intact, you know, playing national internationally with him. So I expect that. Uh, <clears throat> I don't really know where else he could go within the Prem. Yeah, you know that's the thing. I don't know about the Prem, but I I don't want to see him go to the Bundesliga. But if no. he went to Syria, maybe. But no, I think he's where he's at right now with the Wolves. I think is his best option, in my opinion. I really I do. don't know where else he could go. I do too. I would like to see him stay at Wolves. I think with Neto just feeding him. I mean, that's what Wolves have needed. That's what they've been lacking over the past couple of seasons. We've seen them have some players. They've had some moments. And it just felt like they were lacking in the final third. Jimenez's injury was huge. You know, it just kind of got felt like it got them off track. And um, they've just been lacking a, a guy who has a nose for goal. And I, I think he has that finishing prowess where it, it it's not always pretty. A lot of times it's a little bit of a tap-in, but it's a tap-in in traffic where you have to have a player there and you have to play, have a player there who's willing to get in risk a you know boot to the face or whatever it might be to finish off a, a, a play and he does that so um i like that yeah i like him and Solanke. those those are great surprise players i do have richarlison in my biggest surprise uh recency bias but five goals in his last five matches in the prem yeah shout out him love that uh huang he chan is 27 years old keegan 27 
Ride it any, out with wolves, Wang He Chan. Do you have yeah. anyone younger than that that you like for our Wonder Boy conversation? <laughs> so Wonder Boy, the category is teenagers. Um, got to be younger than 20 years old. And yeah, I've got several. Um, I've, narrowed, <laughs> I've narrowed it down to three. And really, um, I love and hate this pick as the one that I've chosen is my first. But um, I, I think it's got to be for me, Garnacho, especially with the place United is in right now. Um, is, I, he an, I, is he an everyday starter for them? He has been lately, actually, which last year he came off the bench and he kept coming off the bench even when he was in good form. And I remember just that being a head scratcher to me and talking to Ed about it. And he's like, yeah, I, I think Ten Hag likes him coming off the bench to go at a fullback when the fullback is tired and when he has energy because he plays with so much energy. He's constantly going at goal. He's constantly progressive in his play. And for me, the reason why I chose him, um, his numbers, I think there's a couple other players whose numbers have been better. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll get to them, the honorable mentions. Um, he's got three goals, two assists, and 18 matches played. Nothing incredible. Um, goal, goal of the season, though. If goal we had, of the season, the best, yeah. A potential Puskas, yeah. Not, not an award, Puskas. but... Not yeah. an award for us, but because we only do belters here, we don't do bicycles. Why would he do bicycles? There, those aren't well. Spoiler alert: He rocketed that ball, so it is my belter. <laughs> it is my belter so far. What? Um, I've put got me, a couple others, put, but put it, me in the spin zone. You gonna take me on the lower is. block? <laughs> it is. Um, but the thing for me with Garnacho is United has felt a lot like. Don't mean to bring this up again. But how Tottenham felt the past few seasons, the identityless, um, like a group of players who were just kind of showing up on on a, a weekend with no identity. You you no, hope someone has the it that, that you, you day pray. If they don't yeah, yeah you, you pray somebody shows up with a bit of magic, and if not, then all right, you know we'll we'll take the draw, or we hope for a miracle in the 90th, which has happened for them quite a bit. I mean, the past few seasons they finished higher than. I feel they have deserved to finish um, for the last two, three seasons with the performances that they've put out. They've been lifeless. They've been gutless. And Garnacho, I, I think he's, he's one of the only players in a United jersey currently who really has that desire. And with him, it's weird because I don't even know. He's, he's made it very – he's an Argentinian who's made it very well known that Ronaldo is his idol, which is – is put you in the seventh layer of hell as an Argentinian in this generation coming up watching Messi. And I don't even know if it's necessarily his passion to represent United or just to be great and to be a great player and to follow in Ronaldo's footsteps. But I, I don't even know that it matters necessarily because when you want to be great that badly, you just naturally put it all out there. And that's all that really matters to the supporters. That's all that really matters when you're watching on the screen because it's apparent his passion to be a great player and to take on other players and to impact a game. And I think he's brought that edge to United that no other I, – I, I can't think of another player on United who has that. You saw a flash of it when Holian scored um, the winner for them a couple weeks ago. Where he was like, I'm here to stay. This yeah. Is, I'm, the, I'm hey, that guy. Like, celebrating in front of the supporters. Um, it was like one of the most passionate goals of the year. 
But uh, I just think Garnacho brings that every single time he has the ball at his feet. Ed, for you. So Ed, Ed bitched about that. Remember that? He was bitching about no one wants to play for the badge right now. Yeah, right. And and that's I, why I he was like he's so, the only player who does. Because I was kind of calling out a, a 21 average. I was yeah. calling him out. And I'm like, dude, I don't. I don't like his game and like this tackle on Ed was like, no, I'm okay with that. I would prefer uh, someone like him to do that tackle to prove they at least give a shit about the club and the outcome that's happening in front of them, whether that be a dirty ass play or not. So, yeah. And I, I just feel like United have no one right now who, who do that yeah. other than Garnacho. So that's why he's been my biggest to have a 19 year old go into arguably the biggest club in the world, arguably the biggest yeah. club in England and to, to be that guy for them right now. Um, which I don't think is difficult to do. Frankly, I, I think anyone with any shred of passion could be that guy, but Garnacho is that guy. Um, he scored arguably the goal of the year, not just in the prem, but in football period. Um, so he, he stood out to me um, amongst – there's two other players. One of them actually is a United player, Kabi Mainu. Um, one of the most impressive teenagers I've seen all year. I, I think they're. I think United is better when he's on the pitch. I think McTominay and Erickson have really slowed this team down, kind, and I think Mainu's been a good anchor in the back of the midfield for them. Plays kind of a uh, back right holding midfield position. Yeah. Yep. Uh, pretty much where uh, Kesmira would be playing if he exactly. didn't have red cards every other week. So yeah, and if he wasn't just you know slowing down overall. Um, and then the the third one that I had who has put up really impressive numbers, Evan Ferguson, uh, Brighton, eighteen matches played, six goals, one assist. Um, three of the six times he's scored, it's resulted in points for Brighton, who sit in seventh right now at 31 points and if they didn't get those three results could be in 10th 11th maybe 12th place right now yeah so that's great you said that he's been kind of invisible the last two or three times i've seen yes even coming off the bench for them and not even doing much and he came on um but yes he is i mean he's he's going to be an irish darling for the rest of our lives uh my wonder boy is for someone that i had no idea who he even was up until about champions league against ac milan um when when newcastle started to get depleted they brought on lewis miley 17 year old love that dude has been playing nine appearances in the premier league one goal one assist and in the champions league three appearances one assist so one goal two assists and uh, 12 appearances. I think he's also played in maybe one or two uh, Carabao Cup, the e- EPLs. I don't know about FA Cup, but so he's played in quite a few matches this season. 17 years old, uh, pretty much a central attacking, but he's been playing on the right side for them. Uh, I mean, goddamn, like Newcastle is good. They're getting better. Uh, they're they're in a stall right now, but uh, this kid is just showing so much poise and talent on that side, the middle and right side of the park. He's just he's good. Like, he was I, a he was a thorn in Liverpool's side, and he's like yeah, like you said, he plays a little bit more of an attacking role, but he's all over the pitch. I mean, he's like a box to box. He's everywhere, and I've been really impressed with him recently as well. I love that shout out. Yeah. Honorable mentions, anyone, anything, or am I getting i uh, I'm getting a pause. All right. We're going to hit pause real quick here and we'll be right back. Um, following the wonder boy. Uh, uh, oh. 
All right, so that was the Wonder Boy so far this season. Um, our winners and honorable mentions. Uh, now we'll hop into our uh, best signing so far this season. Toby, do you want to go ahead and kick us off here with your opinion for the best signing of um, 2023 halfway through the season? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to say my honorable mentions kind of like you did earlier because um, it's going to pretty much name all of the ones you're going to be talking about, possibly. Uh, West Ham's James Ward, Prowse, Kudus, I thought those were Phenomenal sightings. Uh, uh, Joao Pedro from, I'm trying to, I didn't write down all the teams, but uh, he's from Brighton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Doku, phenomenal from Manchester City. Uh, Matters, James Madison and uh, Vandeven from Tottenham. And then Sobosly from Liverpool. All honorable mentions, all phenomenal players, all doing great. Almost all of them have been injured Portions of the season, minus Soboslai. I don't know much about Joao Pedro. And then uh, uh, James Ward Prowse. Those have pretty much played start to finish. Um, so that that matters to me. Being healthy does matter. And so that's why the other two that I did not mention are my two picks uh, with number two being Declan Rice. Can't have Arsenal player number one. So Declan Rice is number two. Been a phenomenal player this year for them. Uh, arguably their best player and arguably the best player in the entire Premier League. Uh, but my best transfer, of course, is going to be my Tottenham Hotspurs goaltender, goalkeeper, uh, Vicario. Five clean sheets uh, from Empoli in Italy. Stand up. We supposed to win. Uh, <laughs> minus a couple Brazilian goalkeepers in the Premier League. In my opinion, he's the best goalkeeper in the Prem. I think he's yep. a top three. Easily, he can be arguably number two, maybe even number one on certain days. Uh, what makes Vicario different than others is that he's like a quarter the price of the other guys I was talking about, and he is a sixth to seventh of the price of what uh, our boy Rice was. Like he barely cost twenty million to come to Tottenham on a five-year deal, and. For Rice to come in at like 100, what, 110, 120, 150? I can't remember what it was. But whatever he came in at, Declan Rice came in at a lot more money, still making a positive note on his team. But I think as a whole, Vicario not only came in at a cheaper price, but he is out. He's one of the best players at his position. And he... He controls the game. He hasn't stopped the PK yet this year, but he's controlled the game and been able to play out of his feet at above average level. And I'm never scared with him. Even down one to two guys, he just plays that sweeper keeper. Like remember against Chelsea, he was like literally standing at the 18, the entire game. He wasn't even by his six yard or goal line. Like he was at the 18, just standing there and like playing like as a center back as well. Like that's, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but that's like something that we we need more of. You know, we just got rid of Hugo Lloris. He's going to LAFC as of this year uh, or as of this season, this next season. And uh, so all we have is him and Fraser Foster and Fraser Foster is not very good. So like yeah. he is our goalie and we got to protect him at all costs. But we'll wrap that man. <laughs> Give it to him. What do you have for best transfers, Keegs? I don't want Toby. you to comment on anything I said because it was all beautiful 
So it was beautiful. And you mentioned really all of my honorable mentions and you mentioned my best signing of the year, which was Vicario. Um, I think you said five clean sheets. Hey, seven... mama mia. Mama mia, <laughs> marron. 73.6 save percentage. Um, yeah, I, I think he's been a spark plug for Tottenham. I think, I, you know, Madison and Van de Ven were up there. And even with them being out, I think he's kept them anchored in the back defensively, which has been huge for them. You know, we uh, there were a lot of concerns with injuries with Tottenham. Are they going to drop? Are they going to completely bottle? You know, is, is this going to be Tottenham that we've seen in years past? And I think he's been a huge part of why it, Tottenham have not been their former selves. Um, and I, th I think he's been the most important signing in the, in the prem this year. I think rice is a great shout as well, but I think Vicario just, you know, if, if rice went down, Arsenal aren't quite as good as they are, but they've still got Jorginho or even maybe Trossard can hop in there. You know, they can, they can plug and play players in there. Whereas if Vicario went down, you know, with Lloris, cheers to Lloris heading to LA. Um, you know, with him gone now, if, if you throw Forrester in there, I think you're, I think you're a completely different team. Um, and so I think that that weighs in with Vicario being the the best signing so far of the year, which leads us to our final category, Belter of the year so far. What do you have? I already threw out mine. What do you got, Toby? Uh, what'd you throw out again? Just recap us real quick. Garnacho. I, I think it's got to be him. Um, I've got a couple honorable mentions, but. Um, they're Homer picks, but uh, yeah, I mean, Garnacho's bike kick against Everton was just special. Peach, that that is the that is the Ballon d'Or winner, correct? When you say for goal of the season so far, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's got to be the Puskas. <laughs> also, also the the environment that it was in, it was in the first like three minutes against Everton after their point deduction, which they have been Everton's fans revital They've been revitalized by that point deduction I was and that say, was by, the, the by that ginger yes by the point deduction <laughs> and that well yeah also by sean dyche but um i mean <laughs> dude the 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 wind sucked out of that of, of the stadium with that goal and props to everton because they've kept that edge and they've kept going forward and they've kept you know they've stayed hungry and they've performed fairly well i mean their their past few matches haven't been great but they bounced back pretty well after that I was gonna say, but, minus that I mean, goal, minus that goal, United has been pretty well dog shit for the last. Yeah, month. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but I mean, that goal was. Uh, I mean, that was one of those moments where the entire Premier League just stops for a minute. Yeah, you know, and but, for, no, that for was, me, that's the belter of the year so far. That was a goal that that uh, uh, Twitter handles X handles tweet that goal clip and they don't ever tweet soccer like or football yeah. whatever you want yeah. to call it. it doesn't matter but that that's how good of a goal that was that that like transcends regular media platforms like it went on to just... that's the one that your grandpa some, somehow sees and he's yeah like, oh, i saw a soccer highlight today yeah yeah exactly so mine my best belter was of course for our best boy toby aldevidal Last minute belter, belter for uh, Royal Antwerp, his boyhood club, uh, previously of Tottenham Hotspurs forever. 
in the last seconds of the final game of the last season to give Antwerp their first Belgian Pro League title in 66 years. 20-yard belter, top bends, Champions League spot was stamped. Like, Toby Aldevidal, just belter of the year. I can't can't think of anything differently. It was that good, so cheers yeah uh, that was uh that was another moment where the world st- stood still for a minute that was yes. something that transcended football um do you want to my question here belter of the year we've got golden boot and then we've got asian cup and afcon you want to hop into golden boot where we see this panning out uh yeah let's go ahead and do that real quickly yeah i think so all right I'm not going to pause. I'm going to grab another beer and I'm going to trust you to just go ahead and run into your golden boot thoughts. And I'm, I'm going to, yeah, that sounds great. Go ahead. Uh, there goes Keegan. He is sprinting. He's sprinting. He's sprinting for a beer. Um, my projected golden boot winners are very simple. It's a three way. The only way to do it's a three way. Only way. Son. Salah. Halan, 24 each. Uh, I don't have the exact goal scoring numbers, but I think that would require Salah and Halan to have 10, only 10, the second part of the season. And for Son to need 12. Wow. On the track they're on right now. A lot of faith in your boy, huh? Three way, a three way. Son, Salah, Halan, 24. I just couldn't pick one or the other, and I refuse to put Salah up there because I think he's going to hit a a window. Um, and I don't know much about early Halan after this injury and human songs always informed, but who knows he's been playing a lot of games. He's going to be playing a way more games right now with Korea as well. So yeah. yeah. What about you Kings? Who you got and, golden boot? Not only playing more games with Korea, but also missing prem matches, which I think is important. Oh, Salah I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Be missing prem matches because of AFCON. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to take Salah, that back. <laughs> early halan <laughs> fortunately for salah um i don't think egypt are gonna make it very far uh, i really don't so uh, i i i think they make it out of their group but r.i.p uh, egypt by the way r.i.p r.i.p egypt um i don't mm-hmm. think they make it far but um we'll get into that we'll get into afcon i think holland you can never <laughs> count them out on top of that they're about to get Kevin De Bruyne back, who's just going to put lasers right on top of his head, right? Just kiss him on his forehead. Have you seen? Have you just, seen KDB? Holland Dude. just exists. Yeah, he got sexier. He got he, sexier. He got somehow. slow, bro. He went, he went from he went longer. from this ugly little ginger that was like a beautiful player to watch on the pitch to somehow being this like handsome, suave guy. And now I I don't know if that's going to make him a worse player where maybe in like now he's just going to be doing GQ photo shoots or if he's going to just ride that swag into being the best premier league midfielder of all time. I, 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 don't I don't know how much swag there is there, dude. Cause I, I play Sunday mornings and I take that shirt off afterwards to get into a dry shirt to drive home. And I look at myself 
And I am pink as hell, just like Kevin DeBrina. <laughs> so I don't know how much swag you can have just being that <laughs> that, that, that opaque. Oh, you know what I mean? Shit. Like <laughs> and he's so, all hair right now. He's all he's all <laughs> hair. And, uh, uh, he does have some flow though, dude. That thing was like it wasn't just a perm, it was like it's nice. Back. Yeah, it's it's got some weight to it. Yeah, it looks he, good. He looks like he could be the uh the like bad guy coach on a mighty ducks team like the bad yeah. the bad team of a mighty ducks team maybe that's I mean? in his future maybe disney's gonna do a little oh, like, kicking shit. and kicking and screaming 2.0 and he's like Ooh. he's the bad guy um yeah. golden boot though i mean it's it's really tough to count holland out with kdb coming back um sala at 14 Solanke at 12 my sleeper pick here is ollie watkins he got off to a slower start last season. He had a really good second half of the season and I could see him continuing. How, long. how many, how many does he have right now? He has nine. So he's five off of Holland and Salah. Um, he's also got eight assists, which doesn't factor into the golden boot, but still very notable um, with how involved he is in their so, attack. Do so you think Villa's going to be up there pretty high then? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've proven it so far. Um, sitting in second place right now in J- well, January. 4th. I'm not saying dunk on me, dude. I'm just saying <laughs> I was just asking a question. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I I see no reason why they won't continue to play well, barring injuries. That is obviously a huge asterisk. Um, we've seen over over the years how one or two injuries can can be a huge change. You know, if if McGinn um, goes down or whatever it may be. Um, I I love the fact that they've reinforce their midfield though players like Tielemans uh, a player like Leon Bailey is has come on and played really well finally this season Super we're really good. seeing him hit his form um Diaby as well is really good so I think he's surrounded by a lot of really good attacking players which in past seasons he hasn't been and he's still been a a, a big producer um in the second half of the season so he is my sleeper pick I think Holland Salah son are are definitely your top three there. Um, 20, I think twenty four point so, three ways how we had it. <laughs> yeah, um, I love the fact that Solanke is in there. I love it. Um, he was always one of those guys like playing as Liverpool as my career mode and FIFA and shit. Like he was one of those guys who was like a Liverpool nineteen year old back in like two thousand seventeen. Yeah, that would come Chelsea, on as a Chelsea Liverpool Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love that he's having a great year. I just don't see it being quite as sustainable with Bournemouth. You know, he just doesn't have the players around him that obviously Haaland and Salah and Son do, and then even Watkins as well with the players that they've surrounded him with. Yeah. So um, I, I like Watkins as a a flirtatious pick to to slide in there. So- and e- even Isaac as, as Newcastle gets healthier again. I mean, he's got nine goals going into the break on a team that has just been ravaged by injuries. So Keegs, you referenced Newcastle, you referenced uh, Villa. Who do you have in your top four to end the season? To end the season. Or no, give me top six, actually. Six, please. Top six. All right. Liverpool, in no order. Liverpool, City, No, Arsenal. no, no. In in order. In order. <laughs> All right, fine. So Liverpool, win it. Liverpool, Arsenal. It's on, it's on record. City. He's calling Liverpool. Okay. Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Villa, Tottenham, West Ham. 
top six. Not at all accurate. Liverpool, that's accurate. City, Tottenham, Arsenal with with bags on them, and then Villa, Brighton, West Ham, Chelsea, United, Newcastle. I think Newcastle goes on a slide that far, bro. By the way, about about five spots. So, so you said, all right. I said Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Villa, Tottenham. Yeah. And you said I'm I'm gonna write this down and date it. Yep. Liverpool, City, Tottenham, Arsenal, Villa. Then wow. Brighton, West Ham, Chelsea, United, Newcastle. All right, so you went through yeah. the whole like top eight there. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, so so we both agree Liverpool top of the top of the bracket. Yeah. Hey, Keys, you I have the biggest uh, improved improved player ten the year this year, but um, a player that uh, went from zero to everything. I have my boy uh, Richarlison. He had a trash ass season last year, even though he was great for Brazil, he was terrible for Tottenham, and he has five goals in five games for us. Like he's on. The trajectory is going up as the best Brazilian in all of all of uh, English Premier League football. Um, I love minus, that. Minus I love a few that. defenders and a few goaltenders, but besides that, you know, you get past those guys. Like I love that shout out. Um, I think there's a couple other Brazilians. Douglas Luis has been really good this year, and Lucas Paqueta is a guy that I thought was a very did he get injured player. for West Ham um, this last no. game. Uh, maybe this past week he did. I did not watch West Ham this past week. Um, but I thought he was just kind of a, a decent signing. I thought he was a guy that was all right coming from Lyon. Um, thought maybe a little bit overhyped. And he has been, I mean, the partnership him and Kudus has had this year has been insane. Uh, I feel like that's been driving them into that top six spot. I don't think they'll they'll finish top six actually they may they may um but i think they're gonna have a really hard go at it i think they could flow anywhere from six to ten just because of the parity we've discussed um but i think paquetta has been a player that that maybe is one of one of those ones that i would shout out for um most improved i don't even know that it's necessarily most improved but his game is just kind of elevated from a place that I, I didn't really expect him to have this impact, um, this big of an impact. Uh, so, yeah, uh, evidently Kudus and Paqueta are both injured right now, but Paqueta's might be more serious. Okay, so West Ham's going to finish 14th. Um... <laughs> so that's what we have, but yeah, <laughs> so... That's yeah. too bad. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's that sucks to see um, because he's been he's been unbelievable this year. Um, yeah. Other than that, really, we're, we're just going to glaze over an hour and six minutes. Yeah, we, we always and, think we're going to go quick and then and then it rides out. But an hour and six. Yeah, with the time so, out, too. So we'll, we'll just set the stage um, for AFCON in the Asian Cup. And we are going to try and make this a point. Um, for our next episode to really deep dive into this because these are two serious competitions that I feel like get overlooked. I think we both feel like get overlooked. Um, the amount of talent in the Asian Cup is substantial and the amount of talent in the African Cup of Nations is incredible and has always been incredible and seems to continue to get overlooked year after year for the past few decades. 
but um, the the talent that comes out of Africa is is unbelievable and some of the best and, and most enjoyable talent to to follow. So we'll get into it with just kind of a brief overview of the tournaments, um, the the groups, some of the some of the teams to to keep an eye out for, and then next week we'll be back with a little bit of a deeper dive on each team um and some of the favorites and stuff and and what to expect as it kicks off um that's exciting dude starting out really yeah next weekend january 13th is is when it kicks off so the afcon does so uh the day before is when uh the asia cup does and but you have to remember the asian cup's taking place in qatar this year and so that's like world cup time at that point yeah so do you want to do you want to start off with the the african cup yeah, yeah. Right. I'll get I'll get right into it here. Everyone with, uh, listening to the episode right now, uh Key's gonna go for full burner boy on this and just burner boy. Let's let's go. <laughs> um, so I'm just gonna start with some of the favorites, like the top five here. So Senegal plus six fifty to win it all. Um, and this is based on FanDuel. There's multiple different outlets that that um kind of contributed here, but they were pretty clear and cut throughout there's a few that are um i was kind of surprised by but senegal um plus 650 to win it all algeria plus 700 to win it which shocked me um i've been on the algeria bandwagon for years um i love the way algerian players play there's a huge like french influence a lot of algerian players grow up in france and Dean zidane um our boy Hussein Awar. Um, Nabil Fakir is a, a French player who's Algerian descent. Riyad Mahrez is an Algerian player. Um, a tons of like very skillful, like masterful players come from Algeria. I, 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 I can't express enough how much I love this country and, and their impact on football, but I am very surprised to see them second in the favorites. Um, third, Ivory Coast, a staple in African football, plus 750. Morocco, fourth or equal with Ivory Coast at 750. And then Egypt, rounding out the top five at plus 900. Um, I will say Cameroon is right behind them at plus 850. Um, some others had them kind of mixed in around that. Um, so plus 850. I'm sorry, let me backtrack. Uh, actually ahead of Egypt, a lot of others had them at plus 1,000. So that's why I put them behind Egypt because most of the other betting sites had them um, actually below Egypt, which shocked me as well because Egypt outside of Salah and like El Neni, there aren't a lot of names that stand out versus Cameroon has some players that have played in in big leagues. And I actually personally see um, making a little bit of a run over Egypt. And then I'll actually round it out. I've said the top five, um, six with Cameroon, and then Nigeria. It just feels wrong not to mention them. They're plus 1,100, but I I just feel like you can't count Nigeria out, even with their lack of success in international competitions. It feels like a little bit of an identity crisis there, um, kind of going through generations. um, Dope jerseys. Dope jerseys always. Um, but Nigeria is is one of those countries, unfortunately, in Africa that just that just suffers from 
a flood of immigrants to, you know, France and and and, and England as well, where a lot of those players grow up in, in France or England and, and decide to play for the countries that they grew up in. But still just a massive amount of talent where you, in my opinion, you can never count Nigeria out. Um, just a, a tradition of of quality quality football um so there's several other i mean there's 24 teams in the african cup of nations competition those are the top seven um that we've highlighted i'll go through each group in the the clubs that i or that the countries that i expect to make it out of each group um very quickly and let's glaze over this we'll we'll dive deeper next week but yeah let's glaze yeah group a (laughs) You've got Ivory Coast, uh, Equatorial Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, and Nigeria. I expect Ivory Coast and Nigeria to pop out of Group A. Group B, you've got Cape Verde, Egypt, Ghana, and Mozambique. Um, I expect Egypt and Ghana to get out of Group B. Group C, Cameroon, Gambia, Guinea, and Senegal. I think that that will be pretty straightforward. Cameroon and Senegal getting out of there. Group D, Algeria, Angola, Burkina Faso, and um, Mauritania. I expect Algeria and Burkina Faso to get out of there. Um, Group E, Mali, Nambia, South Africa, and Tunisia. I think Mali and Tunisia, shout out our boy Amir Drisi. We'll maybe have to have him on the pod to talk a little bit about Tunisia, um, the motherland there. And then Group F. Congo, Morocco, Tanzania, and Zambia, um, and I think Congo and Morocco get out of that. Uh, that sounds like a gauntlet, honestly, and yeah. uh, nothing I want to be a part of, especially in the <laughs> north, north central African region. Of course, uh, where did where did the games actually take place, Keeks? Do you have that information in front of you? Um, I don't actually have. Um, that, I can so. I can maybe search it real quick too if you need me to. So the first match, Olympic Stadium of Mbike, which is okay. in the Ivory Coast, which it's an Ivory Coast match. So, so that's Central I'm, West. I'm assuming, right? yeah, that's 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 West. Yeah, West Central, Central West. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm assuming. Let me just look here. Nigeria as well. Um, well, that's also. Nigeria versus Equatorial Guinea is also in the Ivory Coast. So let me look Senegal. I think they're just all over, at least for the group stages. Um, yeah, logistics. No, no, actually, it seems to all be Ivory Coast, everything that I'm seeing so far. Oh, dope for them. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Algeria, Angola is also in the Ivory Coast. So, yeah. Um, it must be hosted there. I didn't even think to look up where it takes place, but it is all in the Ivory Coast. So 24 men's national teams from Africa will play in the 2023 African Cup of Nations, which is due to be held in the Cote d'Ivory um, from January 11th to February. So, so there you have Cote, it, Ivory so, Coast. So Cote d'Ivory, if you did not know this, and you were not a Chelsea supporter in the mid 2000s, <laughs> you would not have known that was the Ivory Coast. So, uh, yeah, there we have it. Um, so, I mean, African Cup, awesome. Love it. Uh, 
I hate it from a club perspective uh, just because we have a few players leaving, but at the same time, I love it as well. Um, just cause it's, I, I mean, it's, it matters so much to them. You know, it mad. I think it honestly matters more to them, to all the African players than it does the, to the Americans when they're playing in like the CONCACAF tournaments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because I, I think it does. It's, there's more bragging rights and everything else. And regionally, you go from north to south to west to east, and with that big ass desert in the middle of your your continent, like it it cuts it up. You know what I mean? So like it, it matters regionality. So I, I think there's more prestige too. I mean, you look at the the quality of players that have come out of Africa, and again too with that, love them all, love them all. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great players who come out of Africa, and then on top of that, like I mentioned earlier, the players of of African descent who play for other countries too. What was it like uh France Keegan? You said we said like of the starting 11, like seven of them were born in Africa, right? Yeah. Or yeah. had ties to it. You know, their parents were born yeah, there. Exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, the world stupid. cup winning team, um, you know, two world cups ago where we're primarily built up of, of African immigrants. Um, yeah, that's I awesome. Mean, the, the, the heritage in, in Africa is nothing to yeah. look over. And it, it's what makes the sport, in my opinion, special. And that's, that's what makes the European the game. The tournament, like, yeah, for those pe for those players to be like, no, I don't want to represent the colonizing country. I want to represent yeah. my home country. Yeah. That, that means something. And that's Huge. awesome. So, so I had uh, Asia AFC, uh, so it's one week away. Um, technically, takes place on th Thursday or Friday. I want—I can't remember. It's—it's it's, it's a time time difference, um, but it's taking place in Qatar. So the way to listen, watch, read about it is uh, way early in the morning. Uh, it's World Cup time, so imagine games kicking off between like two and. 11 a.m uh american time and so january 12th to february 10th so hopefully korea goes that far but at the same time i'm kind of hoping they don't because i want human son back at tottenham but at the same time i want korea to go as far as they can and a few of the other clubs so they have six groups of four uh so four teams in each of the six groups favorites being korea japan australia and iran um, if anyone wants to watch this in America, it is on Paramount Plus, so you can watch it on Paramount Plus. I don't know about Afcon Keegs. Do you want to look up Afcon and how to watch that? So yeah, it just did. Um, Afcon, you can watch Sling TV, Fubo, um, Apple TV Plus will actually so, have the matches, and then Paramount and ESPN Plus will have a few. Um, as well wow. as wow, uh, appar apparently Peacock will have a few, so I'm not exactly sure. We'll have to dive into that further next week, too. I'm very surprised this. by all of that, honestly. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to do like a Thursday episode next week, um, right before the tournament kicks off and just get into more of those yeah. details as far as what the exact schedule will look like. But, um, like AFCON and the Asian Cup are are two that I plan on treating like the World Cup, where there might be some three a.m. mornings before work. Where yeah, you might as well. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to tune in here. Yeah, yeah. Keegan, your best bet for all of this is to bend to your right two more inches and block that light, and you become like 
on the screen, you look like the bad guy from uh, Inspector Gadget, where you're just dark. I can't even see your face. And, like, you're petting a cat, but, like, in a wheelchair. I don't know. You're creepy, but I can't really trust you. Sounds like Dr. Uh, Evil, kind of. Exactly. That's yeah. what you look like right now. Um, so <laughs> so uh, the, the Asian Cup, here we go, betting odds. That's what everyone wants. Uh, Japan is 9-4 to four odds. Korea is 9-2. to two, And Australia is 13-2. to two. Okay. So after that, you have Iran, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, United Arab Emirates at seven to one, seven to one, and ten to one. So it looks like Japan, South Korea, and Australia are the odds favorites. Japan, South Korea. Uh, your boy from Brighton, Matoma, correct? Yeah. Uh, just got cleared. He's he's traveling there. Uh, our boy from uh, Tottenham Hotspur, Human Son, is going. And I think PSG just finished up their last game yesterday. And uh, their little 18-year-old darling boy, I can't remember his name, but he's going to be there. Kim and Jay uh, from Bayern Munich is going to be there. We have all sorts of guys there. We're cooking right now in the, the Asian Cup. I'm excited. I'm excited. We're, we're take, we took sides. I'm doing Asian Cup. You're doing Africa Cup. Let's go, boy. <laughs> Let's eat this. Do we even need booze, cheers, and belters? Can we just end no, this thing right we now? Don't, we don't. Africa we're already... Up already an hour 20 in uh lee Kangin, damn lee Kangin is the the kid from uh psg absolute fucking baller let's uh, let's put him on the wonder boy list for uh yeah. international cook cookery yep Here international cookbook yeah, yeah um oh i like that I, I think, international uh, cookbook. yeah I, like I think i think south korea is uh uh, South Korea and Japan are the the two I would put my money on. Um, Yo, I don't my, know this. For, I don't know my sleeper would be Saudi Arabia. I just want to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yep. I had no idea. Um, so I don't know if this is for sure happening this time, but if you win this cup as a Korean, you have your military, uh, your like military services, you don't have to serve them. Like you have a uh, shortened sentence to do it. Whereas if you're a Korean citizen, which human son is and others are, um, you would have to serve in the military for X amount of time. I want to say it's like a year and a half. Yeah. And so so this, is, this is another like 18 matches for son. Basically that's not, is what you're saying. No, so what I'm saying is, uh, so Korea won it a couple years ago, and Human Son did not have to serve in the military. So that took a year of his playing career back on the table, whereas he was going to have to take it off. Like, I mean, it was at least a year and a half you have to serve in the military. So, same thing with this 18 year old that we're talking about from PSG. This kid's going to have to go to the military being a Korean citizen, he's going to go to the military for at least a year plus. And so that means PSG doesn't have him for that. So if they win this tournament, he gets it nullified or voided to a certain extent. So yeah, it's uh it's big, it's big news. And that, that is stupid, but that probably means the world to those boys not having to serve in the military for that long. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd so rather, for them I'd to, rather be a professional footballer. Yeah. For them to go uh, to the tournament and just cook. duty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, wait, all I got to do is score goals against Saudi Arabia. Put me on the pitch. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Let's go. He's about uh, to have five goals against Qatar. 
Hey, everyone, happy new year. Um, Keegan, happy that's new it. year. And Cheers. I think that's all we got, right? We'll be back next week with more uh, AFCON and Asian Cup. Um, looking forward to it. Cheers, everybody. Peace.